Welcome to Canine Nation. It's Sunday, December 30th, 2018. This is episode 117. Hi, I'm Eric Brad. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. I've been getting some great feedback lately on the podcast, and I'm glad so many of you are downloading and enjoying what I'm doing here. If you find it useful, it would be great if you could support Canine Nation, and you can do that by popping over to our website, caninenation.ca, and maybe leaving a small donation of $1 or $5 or whatever you feel might be useful. Or maybe, instead of a financial contribution, you could spread the word about the podcast to your friends on social media or drop by iTunes and give us a review. If you have any comments or suggestions, or even a question for the podcast, you can reach us at talk2 at caninenation.ca. That's talk and the number 2 at caninenation.ca. This week, I want to share with you some thoughts on the nature of the dog and how we've integrated them into our human society. It seems that there are millions and millions of dogs out there, and sadly, there are also thousands of dogs that exist in shelters and rescue organizations around the world. It seems that although the dog was meant for human companionship, we don't always do a great job of integrating them into our lives. And I find that interesting because we've worked so hard to selectively breed an animal that would be a great human companion. Why is it that some of us don't take the time or make the effort necessary to teach our dogs how best to integrate into our lifestyle? It's an interesting conundrum. It's a topic I wanted to explore a little more deeply. And so I wrote it down in this essay that I call Humanity and the Moral Imperative of Dog Training. In the beginning, there was the wolf. According to the research, about 40,000 years ago, the dog evolved from some of these wolves. Selection pressures in the natural environment caused this dramatic change. The archaeological evidence points clearly to one key selection pressure. Humans. More precisely, the first human settlements began to create garbage and waste that became a rich and easily accessible source of nutrition for these scavenging wolves. These first dogs found that life near human settlements proved overwhelmingly beneficial to their survival. Likewise, the first humans who began to interact with these dogs found that they could be useful too and dogs began to be integrated into human life in a variety of ways. They were hunters, they were guardians, they were companions. We found many interesting uses for our new companion. As the centuries have passed, humans became more and more creative in the ways we bred our dogs. We selected for certain traits that suited our purposes. The long, lean limbs and large lungs of the Scottish deerhound allow it to run down game. The heavy coats and endurance of sled dogs in the Arctic make them ideal for their cold environments. And as we come to more modern times, purely ornamental breeds like the Toy Poodle or the Bichon Frise have been created strictly for their visual appeal 
or their temperaments as small and agreeable companions. But there's something else in all of this selective breeding. Always we selected for those dogs who were most compatible with us. Dog breeds have evolved that behave in ways that wolves would instinctively never do. We have dogs that comfortably look into our eyes. They seek out our touch, and they enjoy being held and embraced. Modern dogs are incredibly sensitive to our voices, and they're easily trainable for an amazing variety of useful and entertaining behaviors. None of this is an accident. We have, in a very real way, created the dog to be the ideal companion for humans. In fact, we have created specialized breeds of dogs to match both specific tasks that we would want them to do, and the size, shape, color, and appearance that most appeal to us. In return, we have provided them with food, shelter, and protection. It's a symbiotic relationship of a sort that is beneficial to both species. But it's not a partnership of equals. In the dog, we have created a species of animal that is dependent on our human society for its very survival. Dogs are a species that have evolved to fit into our human world. We have taken a very active role in guiding the development of this animal, and it is, by design, meant to function in our human world. Yes, there are feral dogs who can continue to breed and be successful while not living in human homes, but even these dogs find their way, as the first dogs did, to the garbage and castoffs of human settlements. They are no longer game hunters like the wolves from which they evolved. Dogs, as a species, have been wildly successful in human society. There are over 400 recognized breeds, ranging from the smallest three-pound Chihuahua to the largest 150-plus-pound Lancer or Akbash dog. They live in human homes, from the tallest apartment complexes in major cities to sprawling rural farms. Statistics show that there are over 68 million dogs owned in the United States alone. These dogs live with us because we want them. But it's sometimes not that simple or that easy. More than 20% of the dogs that are owned in the United States are adopted from shelters. Seen another way, one in every five dogs owned in the U.S. was given up by the original owner somewhere or turned over by a breeder who could not find them a home. And these were the lucky ones. According to a 1997 study, 64% of all dogs that were turned over to shelters in that year were euthanized. That was roughly 2.7 million dogs. Amazingly, one of the most common reasons that dogs are turned over to shelters is because the owners claim the dog is incompatible with their lifestyle. How can this be? The dog is an animal specifically bred to be a companion to humans, to be compatible with our lifestyle and habits. Well, modern life can be complicated and circumstances may change. Sometimes that requires people to change their home situation, but that's not always the case. Sometimes dogs are unavoidably displaced, but in the majority of situations where dogs need to be rehomed, the owners were just not prepared for their new dog. 
It could be that the decision to own a dog was made for the wrong reasons, but many times it's because owners have not adequately prepared for the breed of dog they were adopting, or were not prepared to invest the time and effort necessary to train their dog adequately. In her book *The Culture Clash*, author Jean Donaldson suggests our primary responsibility in training our dogs is to make them successful in our homes. This is an important point, and many times it can get lost in the tidal wave of information out there about dogs and dog training. While there are competitive sports for dog obedience and training programs offered in nearly every city and town, there are no required behaviors that must be taught to every dog. Dogs need to be shown what it is that we require of them to fit into our lifestyle. This might require a handful of simple behaviors like sit or stay or leave it, or it may require more complex training if we should choose to get involved in more specialized activities with our dog. The simple fact is that once we take a dog into our home, we have accepted responsibility not just for their physical welfare, but for their mental welfare and education as well. The stark reality. Is that dogs that cannot fit into their owners' lifestyles are most often turned into shelters, and more than half of those dogs will die. Many will die not because of poor breeding or bad temperaments, but because they were not given the skills they needed to be successful in their new homes. Never has there been greater access to information about dogs and dog training than we enjoy today. From books and videos and DVDs to television programs, websites, and discussion groups on the internet, information about dogs is everywhere. Sorting fact from fiction in that ocean of information can be a challenge, but that does not relieve us of our responsibilities. Dogs would simply not exist in nature without humans. In a very real way, we are responsible for their creation. And we are certainly responsible for how they have developed over the past forty thousand years. Most dog breeds can't survive in their current form without us. The bottom line is that our dogs are a part of our lives because we have chosen them. They did not ask to be here. It is encouraging that the last twenty-five years has seen some tremendous advances in both scientific research and the practical study of dogs. Positive reinforcement training and technologies like clicker training are making communicating with dogs easier than ever. Training in any form shouldn't be that difficult, considering that we have selectively bred our dogs for the most trainable and attentive specimens as the generations have gone on. Our dogs are a species uniquely suited to communicating with humans because that is what we have made them. I think we owe it to them to engage the abilities that we've given them. Basic communication with dogs is not that hard; children can do it. But more importantly, for many dogs, their lives may depend on it. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We have over 100 episodes available, both at the CanineNation.ca website and also available through iTunes and other podcast directories. 
You can also find Canine Nation articles at the lifeisahuman.com website or follow the links under writing at caninenation.ca. There are some great podcasts out there about dogs, behavior, and training. I'd like to share two of my favorites with you. Dog Talk with Nick Benger is a weekly podcast out of the UK. Nick interviews some of the best and brightest trainers in the world. He gives you a look not just at training concepts and techniques, but also some great insight into the person he's talking with. Lots of great information and some wonderful stories from Nick's guests. You can find Nick's podcast on iTunes and all of the major podcast directories, or you can check out his website at nickbenger.com. That's N-I-C-K-B-E-N-G-E-R.com. The Animal Training Academy podcast with Ryan Cartledge is another great interview podcast from New Zealand. Ryan's guests are from many areas of the training world, not just dogs. Ryan has interviewed horse trainers, behavioral scientists, wild animal trainers working with zoos, and lots and lots of great dog people as well. Ryan's podcast is also available at iTunes and the best podcast directories. You can find Ryan's website at animaltrainingacademy.com. So head to your favorite podcast listening app and check these out. Canine Nation is also on Facebook. You can find our Canine Nation page where we post information about the latest articles, podcasts, and news about Canine Nation events. We also have a discussion group, the Canine Nation Forum. It's a place to discuss the podcast, the Canine Nation essays, life with dogs, and training our dogs, or just to share some information we found around the Internet. Thank you for listening. I'd appreciate it if you'd share this with the dog people in your life. I guess that's all for now. Until next time, have fun with your dogs.